Welcome back this morning to what is the last week in our series of Mission Possible. What we've been doing for the past five weeks is we've been looking at the mission that Jesus has given his church, and that mission is to go and make disciples. Go and share the message of Jesus so that more and more people may believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, and share Jesus. It's because of this mission that we said earlier in the series that Divine Savior Church has a goal that in 10 years we want 5,000 people worshiping in our churches across all of our campuses on a weekend. 5,000 people in 10 years to be in worship across all of our campuses. That way, 5,000 people are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ that through him is forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Today, we've looked at several different aspects across this series of this mission, uh, but today what we're going to see is that this mission has urgency. There's an urgent, urgentness to this mission. We need to get out and get moving and go, and it's urgent. But what we're also going to see is that this mission is a pressure-free mission. An urgent mission, a pressure-free mission. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 28, where we've been for the last five weeks. Uh, and let me just give you the context again, in case you're joining us for the first time today. Matthew 28, Jesus died on Good Friday. He rose on Easter morning. And then he was on earth for 40 days, appearing to his followers, uh, showing and proving that he had risen from the dead and getting ready to leave earth for the very last time. It's in those 40 days that Matthew chapter 28 happens where he meets with his disciples up in Galilee. And there, he meets with them and tells them what we've been looking at for the last five weeks, to go and make disciples. Let's look at it one more time this morning. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I said, this is a section of Scripture we've been looking at for the past five weeks, and we've seen the why to this mission. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am the sole authority in this universe. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's the only one with power over sin. He's the only one that has conquered the grave. He's the only one that can tell death to give you back, and death has to listen. Therefore, go and make disciples. We've seen the how not by our power. We go and make disciples by baptizing and teaching them the Word of God. We've seen how this mission gives meaning in life, every calling that we have, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as an employer, employee, and uncle. It gives us meaning in life to our callings. Last week, we saw how this is to all nations. It's to everyone. That's where we go, and we looked at the heart of Jesus. Today, we look at that very last 
sentence. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what we're going to focus on, that very last sentence today. And we're going to start with that last clause, to the very end of the age. Uh, It may seem like a a pretty straightforward clause. It might seem just like a tack-on at the end. And and yet it's a very profound and very uh, descriptive clause. To the very end of the age. Jesus is saying the end is coming. He's saying that history is linear, that it's a, it's a timeline, and that there's a set date where this world is going to end. The universe is going to end as we know it, to the very end of the age. And it's when that end comes that the grand finale of God happens, where Jesus is going to come down from heaven with the angels. Everyone's going to hear the archangel of God. You're going to hear trumpets, and Jesus is going to come down and end it all. Why is this so important to emphasize? During Jesus' time, uh, this was different than what the Greeks were teaching and what the Eastern religions were teaching, like uh, Buddhism and and Hinduism. Uh, They all taught that history is cyclical. It just cycles again and again and again. There's no end, it just cycles. And with the, the teaching of reincarnation, you just keep going. You just keep going and it's just cyclical. You may die, but you just start right back up again. Jesus says, no, 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 there's an end coming. It was different than what the Jews were teaching at the time. The Jews had an end time belief and teaching, but it was very political. Uh, The Jews believed that a Messiah was going to come and destroy the Romans, destroy all of Israel's enemies, and then set up the capital city in Jerusalem with the Messiah ruling over all things. He would gather all the Jews who had moved all over the world, bring them to Jerusalem, and then the resurrection of the dead would happen. And those who had died believing in God would also live in Jerusalem, and there would be peace and happiness on earth under this Messiahship ruling. Uh, That's why if you read Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus ascends up to heaven, that's why the disciples ask him what? Is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom? Because they had this view of a Messiah. Jesus says, no, 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 an end is coming. An end is coming to this world. And then it's different from what is also taught and believed today, which is called modern existentialism, which is that history is not linear, nor is it cyclical. It's just a bunch of random events that are happening. There's no purpose behind this world. There's no meaning behind this world. Why you're here, where you're going, what you're supposed to be doing, no idea. It's all randomness. And so you, carpe diem, seize the day. You, YOLO, you only live once. So, make the best of it. Because it's all randomness. Why did we review this? (laughs) Because these beliefs are still alive and well today in the 21st century. People believe these three things, and yet what does Jesus say? An end is coming to the very end of the age. This world will end as we know it. When the timeline, the linear timeline, 
is up. So when's it going to happen? Jesus says, it'll come like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't come when you're expecting him. Otherwise, you will block him out. A thief comes when you least expect him, and that's when the end comes. So in other words, Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you when, but the end is coming. Instead, Jesus says, let me give you some signs so that you recognize the end is coming. And you can read the whole chapter for yourself after church here this morning, but Matthew chapter 24, Jesus lays out the signs for the end times. And what do we hear? Jesus says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Kingdom will rise against kingdom, nation against nation. There'll be famines and earthquakes throughout the world. The love of most will grow cold. Families will betray each other. And the faith of many will be lost. As you look around the world, do you see all of those signs? Absolutely. The signs that Jesus, to tells, us, the signs that Jesus tells us to watch for we can look in our world and we can see all of them playing out. We don't know when, but it's got to be soon based on Jesus' signs. And so this is your first point this morning. The end could come at any moment. You want a reason for the urgency behind this message, the urgency to go and make disciples. It's not because we need to get a thousand more people in our church in 10 years. The world could end in before 10 years. The world could end tomorrow. There's an urgency behind this mission because the end could come at any moment. And when that end comes, what is Jesus going to do? Exactly what he told us in Matthew chapter 13. He's going to come and he's going to separate the weeds from the wheat. And the wheat he'll gather in, but those weeds will be cast out and separated from him forever. Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And that's what we see in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to get too into it, because that's what I'm preaching on next week, is Genesis chapter 3, as we start a new series. But Genesis chapter 3, what do we see? God created Adam and Eve to do what? To, to have a relationship with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to be united to him. And then the devil comes, and what does he do? He tempts them and gets them to not trust God and come and join him as they fall into sin. Sin separated Adam and Eve from God. And what could God do? He could say, you want to be separate from me? Fine, go, be separate. But he didn't. Instead, he said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be with you forever. And so I'm going to pay the ransom price to have you. I'm going to pay to bring you back. I'm going to redeem you. And that price was his son, Jesus. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you and me. Peter says, it's not with gold or silver that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. And that's what God was willing to do to separate your relationship with the devil and bring you back to him. And it's through faith in Jesus, it's through faith in Jesus that you receive that unity with God, that you are redeemed and restored to God. 
And when he comes back, the reason the wheat are gathered in is not because of anything that they've done. It's because through faith in Jesus, God has brought them into a relationship with him. That's it. And when he returns, those who are separated will continue to be separated for eternity. That's when God says, fine, have it your way. Because what he did for you and me through Jesus, he's done for the entire world. So what does this mean for you and me? If you're not a Christian, or if you're doubting Christianity, you have problems with Christianity, let this be a loving warning to you. The end is coming, and a relationship with Jesus is necessary for eternal life, to be united to God. And I know that there are some out there, either here or listening this morning, uh, and watching online, that, that kind of roll their eyes at that, that think, oh great, Christians once again trying to scare people into a relationship with God. But imagine going to the doctor, and, and the doctor says, hey, you're living a, a lifestyle that is eating only junk food, fast food, and a, a steady diet of soda. You need to change your lifestyle, or you're going to die. Would you ever look to the doctor and say, yeah, good one, doc. Thanks for trying to scare me into a different lifestyle. You may not do it, but you know he's not trying to scare you. You know he's giving you a loving warning. And that's what God does here. That's what Jesus does. This is a loving warning. And so we, like Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Because Jesus has restored your relationship with him so that you can be united to him forever. I would love to talk with you about it. If, if you have questions or doubts, please come see me. And we'll open up scripture and look at what Jesus has done and will do for you. For you Christians here this morning, what does this mean for you and me? There's a lot of people separated from God. The end could come at any time, and this mission that Jesus gives us is urgent. We need to go and make disciples. And it starts with the nucleus of our family, and then it grows out from there. We need to go. Do you feel that urgency? Do you feel the overwhelming pressure to go and make disciples? Here's the good news for you and me. As I said at the beginning, uh, it's an urgent mission, but it's a no-pressure mission. What did Jesus say? Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so your second point this morning, Jesus doesn't tell us to go for him, but he invites us to come with him. That's two very different things, isn't it? In one, Jesus is like the king or the government or the president who sends his army out to do all the heavy work for him and the hard work uh, by going out and defending and conquering while he stays back. The other... Jesus invites us to come with him, is Jesus is out in the front leading the way and we go with him as we go and we spread the message of Jesus. And that's what this is. Jesus says, 
Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us as we go out and make disciples, as we carry out this mission. And so it's a no-pressure mission. Consider this. As, as, As we go out to make disciples, it's so important to remember what only Jesus can do and what Jesus is asking us to do. And so let's review what only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Only Jesus can rise from the dead to conquer the grave. Only Jesus can wrestle with someone in their mind when no one else is around. Only Jesus can work on someone's circumstances around them so that their heart is in a position that's ready to hear the word of God and receive it. Only Jesus can take the gospel seed that is planted in someone's heart and make it grow. Only Jesus can restore someone's relationship to God. Only Jesus can can ripen someone's heart so that they receive the word of God, hear it, receive it, believe it. Only Jesus can do that. It doesn't matter how convincing you are, if their heart isn't ready for it, it's not going to work anyways. Jesus is the one who does it. It's Jesus who is on a mission to redeem and restore humanity. He didn't just die on the cross and rise from the dead, ascend to heaven and say, now I'm hands off, you guys are in charge. He is out there right now working in our communities, working on our neighbors, working on our family. We just need to recognize it. And how do we recognize it? We look and we listen for those who are looking for hope looking for peace. We look for those who who are overwhelmed and filled with anxiety because what is Jesus doing? Working on that person's heart. And if they are reaching out in those uh, because they're looking for peace, for joy, if they're overwhelmed, perplexed, fearful, they are looking for some kind of hope and it's Jesus Christ who is that hope and we have it. That is Jesus working behind the scenes in people's lives as he's out redeeming and restoring humanity to God. And so then we go with him. And what do we do on this mission? We scatter gospel seeds. We simply tell people the hope that we have. We simply tell people the peace that Jesus brings us as he brings us the forgiveness of sins. That we live without shame, we live without guilt, that we know that our relationship with God is good. We tell them about the hope that we have, that no matter how bad life gets, no matter how, how bad this world gets, there's still hope because of the resurrection. We get to tell people that, and in doing so, we scatter, scatter gospel seeds. We testify and witness to what Jesus has done for us. That's our role. Jesus does all the heavy lifting. We simply get to tell the wonderful message of the peace and hope and comfort that we have in this life. This is why that last phrase is so significant. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus goes with us until the end of time. He will never leave us nor forsake us, the Bible says. Instead, the God of this world goes with us. Do you remember how Matthew's gospel starts? 
This is the very end of, of Matthew chapter 28. This is the very end of, of Matthew's gospel. These are the last verses. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew starts it with a genealogy, but then he tells us about Joseph. Uh, Joseph, who's pledged to be married to Mary, who was expecting a child, and that child was not Joseph's, and he knew it. And so what did Joseph do? Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's by God. Right, Mary. So he plans to divorce her, but an angel from God comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because a child in her is from God, and when he's born, you're going to name him Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sin. But then we hear another name that he would be called. Emmanuel, which means God with us. God was born into this world at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. He was here in the flesh to save people from their sins, and as the God of this world who saves people from their sins is about to ascend into heaven and not be seen anymore, he makes a promise, Emmanuel, God is still with you, and he will be with you to the very end of the age. And so go with confidence. Go with confidence to fulfill this mission. Go with confidence because the God of this world, Jesus, who saved you from your sins, goes with you wherever you go. I'd like to close up with two things. Number one, if you're sitting there thinking, this is still too overwhelming, I'm disqualified from this. If, if you know my past and people know my past, there's no way that I could do this because I'm disqualified. I have not lived a very good Christian life. I can't go and make disciples. First, Emmanuel. Jesus, the one who saves you from your sins, goes with you. He forgives you. And then number two, I'd like to point your eyes to the Apostle Paul. Paul, who before becoming a Christian murdered all kinds of Christians. If you want to talk about somebody that is disqualified from going and making disciples, he'd be one of them. And yet it's through Jesus Christ that we are all qualified to go and make disciples because it's not about our past. It's about the Savior of the world who's taken away our sin and the sins of the world that qualifies us and now we get to go and testify to what he's done in our life. Number two, if you're scared and you don't know what to say, Emmanuel, God goes with you. It's not about how well-crafted your message is. It's simply telling the peace, the joy, and the comfort that your Savior has brought to your life. And as you spread this message, the gospel seed is planted, and we leave it up to Jesus to grow it. So go with confidence. Emmanuel goes with you. Let's grow in the word as we are disciples. And then let's go share Jesus. Let's go invite to church so that many more people may hear about Jesus, the one who saves his people from their sins. God be with us as we go with mission possible because our Savior goes with us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, you are the Savior of the world. You are our Savior. You have restored our relationship to God. We thank you that we are no longer separated from him, uh, but we are united to him forever because of you. We thank you for shedding your blood on the cross, for rising from the dead uh, to bring us to God. And now we ask that you go with us, just like you promised, uh, to go and make disciples. 
Uh, Open our eyes that we may see how you are working in our communities, in our neighbors, in our family. Uh, Let us see what you're stirring up. uh, And then uh, give us the boldness to simply scatter gospel seeds. Uh, There's no pressure in making disciples because we can't convince anyone. All we get to do is be the bearer of good news. The good news that you have saved this world from their sin and united them to God. Uh, Bless our efforts. Uh, Let many people come to you, to their Savior, uh, through our message, uh, because it's a message all about you. Help us to continue to grow in our relationship with you, uh, because in order to make disciples, we have to be disciples. And so let us be disciples who make disciples as we go out uh, and share your message. Bless us. Continue to watch over us. In your name we pray. Amen.